Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. In today's episode, Kevin welcomes Brian Butler to talk about relationships in the government acquisition world. Brian is the president and CEO of Vistra Communications, a communication strategy and professional solutions agency providing communications and management solutions to corporate, government, and nonprofit organizations. He's also a retired and decorated career military officer. And, as you'll hear, a Skyway Acquisitions customer. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisitions. If your organization is interested in training from a team of former contracting officers, go to askskyway.com and learn more about how Skyway can help both government and industry teams with the acquisition and contract execution process. Okay, let's get started with relationships and government contracting. What got you into this and why you guys do what you do? As you know, I'm a retired Army officer, and when I retired from the Army, moved down to Tampa and decided to start a business, I knew that we should be doing work within the federal government, within DOD and outside DOD, and we should do things that I learned while I was in the Army. Our business is a marketing, communications, and consulting agency, and that puts us in a position to provide a range of services to federal government clients, primarily grounded around things that involve strategic communications. And using that approach it has really put us in a great position to branch out and to provide a full range of services for clients. For, for those who don't know, what is strategic communications? What, what are we talking about there? So st- strategic communications really allows an agency to tell its story to its audiences. And I use the example of U.S. Central Command. You know, within U.S. Central Command, we provide strategic communications that helps them with stakeholder engagement in the Mideast. That engagement allows them to better communicate with Central Command's vital partners. It allows them to tell their story well beyond just their warfighting efforts with the other things that are important to that command. So we're we talking internal communication, external communication? It always starts. Communications always starts internally. Because you, you really want to help your staff to get in sync with, you know, what, what are you really focused on and the things that are most important. And then it resonates to your outside audiences. You know, I'll go back to the case of U.S. Central Command. It allows you to better communicate with your partner nations. It allows you to better communicate with the troops that are supporting your efforts from those partner nations. So you're, you're communicating in one voice throughout the entirety of what you're trying to accomplish and, you know, while doing that, it really put us in a position to better understand the need for planners inside U.S. Central Command. So we now have contracts where we provide planners for that agency. Because we're in that combatant command, we're able to do work for U.S. Southcom and do the same thing, you know, provide a range of services. So it really put us in a unique position to provide combatant command support in ways that... uh we otherwise wouldn't would not have been able to accomplish. Now, are you f- specifically focused on the DOD, or do you have civilian agencies that you support too? That, that's a great question. I think we're in thirteen different agencies right now. Wow. You know, as, and and as a small business, I'd never imagined that we'd be able to spread our wings so wide with these agencies. Our core has been providing support to combatant commands over the last seven or eight years, and I think we do that very well. But we've been able to take some of those things that we provide to U.S. Central Command and move them to, into DHS. 
you know, we provide executive media training for U.S. Customs and, and Border Protection, where we go around the country and train their most senior leaders, including their leadership uh, in Washington, D.C. And then we were able to take what we're doing there and move it into FEMA. So we provide some media support to FEMA. And we we're able to take what we're doing there and move it over and moved it over to uh, Voice of America. And that's just, you know, an example of our, our ability to go in, really get to understand that customer, really understand the services that's provided, and then take those services and move them over to another agency. It's a great example of, of it's kind of turning targeting on its head, is that rather than focus on just this one agency doing one thing, it's what one thing do we do well that because the government market is so huge, we know how to take that one thing we do well and replicate it and do it just as well for different agencies when you know those agencies use <laughs> the same thing. And that's targeting is such a big part of what we talk about. So, so how do you choose that FEMA, for example, is going to be a good customer for you? And a lot of it had to do with my background and the kind of things that I did while I was wearing the uniform. I commanded troops in combat on one end, and I worked uh, in the White House on, on another end. And I was a spokesperson for an Army secretary and on the team for a chairman. And I, and I got to really understand this inter, interagency process, so I have some idea what the needs are within these agencies and what their challenges are. The unique thing is most of the work we provide to the U.S. government is formed around some sense of communications, whether it's open source communications or intelligence communications. The majority of the work that we provide involves communication in some aspect. Now, just to clarify, we're, we're talking the, the words we use, the, the content and the context, not like you know w wires and switches and, and routers. That's exactly. It's the words we use in the context not wires and switches and routers. We're not a satellite communications company. We're a strategic communications company providing value to helping our clients uh, discern a message and direct that message to the audiences that they, they need to direct them to. Yeah, and, that, and this is one of those things for, as a government CEO, when somebody says communications, I think, oh yeah, it's, it's the routers, it's the internet, it's that kind of stuff. And then when, when I first met you, we talked about strategic communication. I remember thinking, What's that? <laughs> Which is why I asked you the question. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I still get that quite often. And, and, and I have to remind myself to clearly articulate the type of communication we provide. And in fact, Kevin, we started our company. When we started our company, we were called Vistra Communications. We now just operate as Vistra. So we dropped that communications piece because in so many of the federal government spaces, people immediately put you in a box of that communications meaning wires and and uh and and, and hard you know hardline communications and, and that's why i love the podcast is to give context of, of what unique companies unique contractors are doing and these are the kind of things that as a ceo if i'm not looking for this kind of if this isn't the kind of service that i'm looking to buy as a contracting officer understanding that it's happening Understanding that this is how the, I'll call it the branding of an agency gets done is you have people who specialize in branding. It's one of those things that you start to see what real good targeting looks like because you guys specialize in what we'll call it like the, what, I guess the left brain side of communication. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the right brain side yeah. of communications is it's, it's the words, the context, et cetera. And I think it's, it's an interesting point to, to, I didn't realize at the beginning of your company, everybody thought you were like a cell service provider or something. It's funny. Yeah, and I, I and I really do hear that often. It, it, you know, one of the interesting things about our core headquarters 
is it's made up of team members that come from lots of different backgrounds. So when we, when we purchased our building a couple of years ago, one of the things that we did was we took whole walls in the building and just made them whiteboard walls. And uh, we, we like to think of those as collaboration centers where we, we provide internal collaborations to help find better results for our, our clients. It makes us think better when we're away from our desk and we're at the wall. We get to draw out, map out, and uh, client issues and concerns. We get to do the same thing in a proposal process to, to define how we're going to better respond by writing on the wall. It becomes crystal clear once you do that, and then it, it allows us to provide a better solution for our clients. And I'll give you, I'll give you another example. As a key part of communications and the work we do is grounded in research. Understanding the target audience, understanding where we want to go, understanding what the government client is trying to achieve. We talk about the 80-20 rule all the time. The government acquisition is 80% process and 20% relationship. And Paul and I have kind of gone back and forth with, okay, it's sometimes it's 20% uh, process and 80% relationship, depending on the circumstance. So how much of what you're doing from expanding uh, Vistra has been re- the relationship side versus the process side? Yeah, you know what? That's such, that's such a great question. And uh, you're probably not going to like my answers, but you might appreciate it. Sometimes it's 80-20. Sometimes it's 2080. That's awesome. <laughs> and knowing the difference, that's a critical piece. And truly understanding the difference. Uh, while our headquarters is in Tampa, I spend a lot of time in Washington, D.C. And as, as our business is growing, and we now have you know almost 75 employees, or we call them team members, not employees. And you know our, our revenue is, is increased. I'm spending a lot less time on work and a lot more time on relationships because the next projects, the door opens because of the relationships. And, and I, you know, I go to a lot of vendor outreach. I meet with a lot of small business offices and I use that as a point of leverage to once they understand what we do, they're able to help shape and guide uh, where we need to go and, and who we need to speak with. So we spend a lot of time with that, but then it comes back to the process. You know, as our company has grown over the last 11 years, the process of everything we do is so important. And we, made, we're, we have made and we are making some investments in our process to be a better company. For example, we're, we're in the midst of ISO certification right now. Those things help us to be better at what we do. And they give the government contractor, the government partner, a sense of, hey, this is a small company that really is, you know, has repeatable steps. And uh, if they perform well in this agency, they'll, they have a great chance of performing well in, in our agency. And it gives them the confidence. So that's why it's, sometimes it's truly 80-20 and sometimes it's 20-80. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's a great answer. And that's, that's funny that the very first time I unpacked that at a conference, I think it was like five years ago, that idea kind of started to kind of gel. And then Paul and I have used that back and forth on the podcast. And what's interesting is that what we've come down to is you, you got to know what the relationship versus process is for your particular situation. Right. And I spend a lot of time in the learning business because we have such a big government, you know, and I could, you know, I believe I could easily find myself in the wrong places where our services probably won't be needed, you know, unless I am a little bit more strategic about where we are who we're spending time with, the conferences I attend, the classes I attend, 
you know, three weeks ago, I attended the Veterans Institute, maybe a month ago, I attended the Veterans Institute for a Procurement course up in Bethesda. You know, it was my second course. It's such an awesome, it's an awesome course uh, for those service-disabled veterans out there. Uh, you must attend that if you intend to grow your business. Uh, so a plug for them. In this course, there's, you know, 45 or 50 other veteran-owned companies and just meeting, you know, in the evening with these other CEOs, talking about opportunities, talking about relationships, talking about where they are, where, where you know, where partnering opportunities come into play. Those have fared us very, very well. So as you're talking to these other CEOs and, and, and business leaders and people who are trying to figure out where the next opportunity is, what's working for you? Like what, what trends are you seeing that are working for you? Nothing replaces a good team with a, you know, that truly a great partnership. And those don't come easy. You know, it's just like, you know, to use a sports analogy, you know, you could have a, you could have a, a, a basketball team or a football team filled with all stars that can't win, you know? So in these great teaming and partner relationships, you know, understanding that sometimes you're leading, sometimes you're following, that becomes really, really important and respecting your role in either place. And just being a great, and when you're following, being a great support follower because you want to help the team win. So through these partnerships and relationships, we've been able to go in and 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 convince a customer, a potential customer, that we're the right team. You know that we could we can come in and perform well and and provide great service. You know whether that's just in a discussion, whether that's in a response to an RFI, or whether that's writing a proposal, they're all the same. You know I bet I have a, a teaming conversation a week with some other business. And sometimes it's just discussion. Sometimes it's just floating ideas for later. And sometimes it's, you know, let's really, there's something out there. There's, there's an opportunity on the horizon and it fits your, your strengths and it fits our strengths. And let's talk about how we take this to the customer together uh, for when. Somebody said this to me a long time ago, a hundred percent of nothing still equals nothing. <laughs> so... <laughs> So quite often, you know, I'm I'm of the mindset if we if we can put together a good team to help us win, I'm better off taking 30% or 20% or leading with 60% if it'll help us win, if it'll help convince that customer this is the right team to put together for this opportunity to be able to provide them services. I would say that's part of the 20% that you first mentioned. As you build these relationships with the small business offices and with the program managers and with the, the you know the ultimate customer and understanding what they really desire, the teaming piece becomes more important because even the biggest companies out there team. So that should be an incentive for the small companies that think about teaming more as well. Do you usually approach a, a potential teaming partner with an opportunity in mind, or is it more that you know what you do well? And you know that they're ancillary to it or associated with it in places. So you start to get to know them and then wait for the opportunity to come later. I would say the majority of our teaming opportunities come from existing relationships. Uh, I'm of the firm belief that seeds make trees. So I like to plant seeds early, share with others what we do. I like to learn what they do. Uh, we actually use a database to put some notes in. So when the opportunities arise, you know, we can go back to our database and say, okay, I know I talked to a company seven months ago that did X or that does X. So I can search our database and quickly find them. Sometimes I can quickly find them and uh, go back to them. 
<laughs> and say, okay, hey, we talked about this some time ago. It could have been 18 months ago, but guess what? Here's an opportunity that's ideal for us. Those are the best ones. But then sometimes I'm in the office and I may get a phone call from somebody who heard about us or they've been to our website or a third party introduced us and they think we may be a good fit for them. So we'll have a very good and candid discussion. And it's great when it works, but it's okay when it doesn't as well. Because uh, sometimes you just realize that this, and you have to really look in the mirror and say, this may not be a good opportunity for us together. You have to know when to walk away from things too. Let me talk through finding the relationships first. If you don't know anybody and, and you're a small business and you don't know anybody at a large organization, it helps to approach their SBLO, their small business liaison officer with an opportunity, uh-huh. right? That's one way to approach. Your approach was yes. long-term, very effective, and it's, and it's very smart if you know what you do well and you're targeted, which you are. Now the strategy is create the opportunity, be in the right place, so when the right time happens, you're ready to move forward. And that's a different strategy. Than, and you're the first person I've had on the podcast to explain. That's how you've succeeded is you, you were in the right place and the right time happened. And that's, that's why you spend most of your time networking as opposed to you know, reading through FBO. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the first couple of years in business, Kevin, I could tell you everything that was in FBO in certain naked code, but we couldn't win any of it. I was going about this all wrong. You know, and the, the relationships... You know, I, I had to, I knew we could do the work, but didn't have the relationships to convince the customer that we could do the work. I didn't have the past performance to convince the customers that we could do the work. So I, you know, while I really continue to understand what's an FBO, sometimes it's just a little late when an RFP comes out to respond to it. If you haven't had a chance to get in it, you know, to talk, speak with the customer to really understand what they're looking for to have great partners lined up and ready to go when it's time to understand when this opportunity may drop so that you were, you've been leaning forward to do it. You know, one of the things we did a couple of years ago is we formed a joint venture with the larger, with the larger business. And that has really helped put discipline in our system of how we identify our opportunities because large businesses do it differently. They have a little more capacity. They have a little more uh, wherewithal to understanding customers and through these uh, joint venture relationships, I've really learned a lot more about how to do this better. So, you know, as I said earlier in this podcast, I'm in the learning business. I have to make sure I put myself in a learning environment all the time because that helps us to, to, to run this company a little bit better. So how did you pick or how did you select or how did that, that joint venture play out? I mean, did somebody, they come find you or you went looking for it or somebody say, hey, joint ventures are a good idea. <laughs> and so you started one. How'd that happen? It was it was a long dance. It started with just a lot of conversation, how to partner together, how to win together. And about the same time, we, we realized that a joint venture made sense. It wasn't a rush to the altar joint venture. It was a it was a very methodical uh, process for us to, to do this. And I and I think that's the best way. You know, I'll give you an example. Another example. There was an opportunity that came out a couple of years ago. It was a, a service to say with better known small business opportunity. And I must have had 10 companies call us and ask if we wanted to uh, create a joint venture. I turned all 10 down. I just, a joint venture is like a marriage. And I felt that we need to understand the companies a little bit better before we entered into a marriage with them. So I'm very methodical 
deliberate about the relationships, the true meaningful relationships that we engage in. And I didn't want to rush to the altar and do something bad to, to potentially discover problems down the line. So I passed on that, but it did make me take a deeper look at finding the right partners. And, and that's a, a great insight on, on an exercise of patience. It's especially in the early, you know, go back what you've been in business for 11 years, right? So go back like eight years or nine years ago when you're, you're still getting this thing moving. You're you, it's the instinct is to chase every opportunity. And yeah. you can't <laughs> because like you said, if you, worst case scenario is, and I, I like your analogy, a, a joint venture is marrying somebody. And if you're marrying under duress to win this win opportunity, you don't know what else is there. And so your strategy, I think the theme that you have is that whole idea of be in the right place, wait for the right time to happen. It's easy to say. Yeah. It's exceptionally yeah. hard to do. <laughs> and you've nailed it, <laughs> which is what I like. Having you. It, it requires so much patience. It's like a you know a little kid uh, out in the, out in the park when the butterflies run by, the little kid wants to chase the butterflies, <laughs> and you can't chase all the butterflies. You know you got to stay there and 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 stay focused on what you're trying to do because you know you see the dollar signs, you see the potential win, and somebody comes in and makes you feel like oh we can win this and we can do this. And you go wait a minute, what kind of person are we dealing with? <laughs> you know, can if we if if we if we do win this business. Are they going to pass their side of a DCA audit? <laughs> you know, do they have a good accounting system? Do they have good process in place? Are we just creating something that you know could be a you know something bad late you know down the road? It's a great example of the value of relationships because that's how you and I met. Is that Greg Celestan introduced yeah. us via email? Right. Hey, you know, Kevin, and, and this was like phenomenal. The more I think about it, phenomenal example. This was probably six or seven years ago when it wasn't the right fit for us to work together, but it was a good time for us to know each other. And then right. for three or four years and it gets, it, it's the right opportunity. So let me, let me ask you a question just from a, from a Skyway perspective. How did you know it was the right time to be a Skyway customer? I like to think of things, uh, you know, when is, when is the right time to do this? Are there things that we don't have in house that we need outsiders to help? Can we afford those things? Are we, are we, are we engaging in the opportunities that we need those things? So, you know, you have been on my radar since we since we met. I just didn't feel like we were ready to really, you know, use your services. And I'll, and I'll, you know, I know the first couple of years we use your service minimally because I realized that I had to help my my own team understand how to use your services. And I would bet there's probably not a a week or two weeks that go by that I don't refer somebody back to you. And I did it twice this week and two meetings I had because I understand the value. I better understand how to use your services. And our team members now say, I'm going to call Skyway. It's not Brian saying, hey, why don't you call Skyway? <laughs> and I look at that same approach around other things that we do. You know, for example, we're looking at an opportunity now. Uh, and it, it has some complications to it. You know, and, and, you know, two things that came up, you know, hey, let's call our, our joint venture partner and let's call Skyway. Let's get perspective on this before we, uh, before we go back to the contracting officer having that patience and not rushing to, to sign something, uh, having that patience and truly understand, you know, what does this mean if we do this? As we now have been in business 11 years, I'm exercising a lot more patience in how we do work. And, and that's, that's an interesting point that you've been doing this long enough that you actually exercise more patience. Whereas I think sometimes the instinct is oh, to keep growing. We have to do more things. We have to keep like, we have to keep the foot on the gas. And the idea is that, you got to fight that instinct to chase the butterfly. <laughs> and that's a really great. 
that, that's a great vision. So if somebody wants to team with you or just learn more about what you're doing or for that matter, just check out your awesome website. Check out my website, flip me a note on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is uh, consultvistra.com and our company is Vistra or Vistra Communications. And uh, we, we, we love great teaming partners. You know, I, I, I go out of the way to make sure I, you know, make time to have a cup of coffee or, or a meal with, with, with people, especially when I'm in the D.C. area or when I'm in, uh, like down in Tampa or wherever I am because I, I stay on the road. I love what we do. I love that we get to service a, a wide range of clients. I love that we've been able to, to move outside of uh, the Department of Defense space. That is our primary customer. And I think it will be for some while, but we've been able to leverage that to lots of great places and make a difference. And I think we're on a great path right now. And, and good, good, good partners surely help. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to be a partner with you guys. I really enjoy it. You're, you're one, of, one of many customers that are just fun to work with. Um, a couple of our team members, I said, we're doing our strategic communications of like, what's, what does our next five years look like? What more customers do we, we want customers who are like what? And two of the team members said, Brian's team. And then you're doing the same thing. You've had those government customers who you like serving, which lo and behold, keeps you in your target area. It makes it easier for you to bring on the right team members. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spiraling upward effect. So you're doing it well. Well, Thanks. thank you, Kevin. And, and I love your model and, uh, and, and keep, helping, keep helping these small businesses out here. You provide one of those niche services that truly adds value, makes a difference. Makes a difference and, uh, and I appreciate it. Because it's fun to do. Thanks for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your you're giving a perspective to the government listeners and and the contractors who listen to understand another way to do targeting. And I think the focus of this one really is how to effectively build relationships to win work. That's that's what you've really hit it out of the park with. So well done. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks. Have a good day. And I'll talk to you next time. You too as well. I look forward to it. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks to Brian Butler for joining us. If you need advice about how to handle relationships in the government contracting world, Skyway can help. Visit AskSkyway.com to learn more. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.